podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Thanks for choosing this free Anfield Index podcast. If you'd prefer to listen to this or any of our other shows without adverts, then now's the time to check out Anfield Index Pro. With AI Pro, you can supercharge your entire listening experience. You'll not only get all of our podcasts without the ads, but you'll have them far faster with our quick publish feature available exclusively for subscribers. AI Pro also puts you in the heart of our sound studio with an option to listen to many of our shows live and interact with the podcasters in real time as the shows are recording. Upgrading couldn't be easier. AI Pro is available on all popular podcast platforms and we have our own apps for Apple and Android. Just head on over to AnfieldIndexPro.com and get started today. Hello everyone and welcome back to another episode of Rival Recon here on Anfield Index Pro. And after the Reds secured their place in another Champions League final, after what started as a nervy night in Villarreal, on this week's pod we'll be turning our attention straight back to the Premier League and the race for the title, as Tottenham Hotspur arrive at Anfield this Saturday. So joining me on the pod to lend us his thoughts into how Spurs season has unfolded and whether Conte's side will finish in the top four this season, we welcome back football writer for The Athletic and TIFO Football, Seb stafford Blue. Welcome back, Seb. Thanks for having me, Harry. It's nice to be welcomed back. As always, yeah, as always, um, whenever it, whenever this fixture rolls around, and actually I was looking back at when we last, um, when Liverpool last faced off with Tottenham, and um, in what, December of last year? And uh, yeah. it, that, that really does feel like uh, a very long time ago. Um, I think maybe maybe it's just the, the sheer abundance of football, the short sort of sheer relentlessness of it, maybe all manner of things that have gone on uh, since then, sort of a... Uh, in our lives outside of football as well. But um, I suppose that's a sort of an interesting place to start because it was pretty early on in the Conte um, sort of uh, tenure at Tottenham and, and, we, and we're and we still very early on. I think we're just coming up to six months of, of Conte being at Tottenham. But um, yeah, if you're able to cast your mind back to that game, it was sort of an interesting one, very competitive, 2-2 two, two, sort of draw in the end. Um, I'd almost I'd completely forgotten sort of uh, the team that Liverpool lined up with and... Um, uh, doing doing my little bit of pre pre pod research to see that it was uh, Tyler Morton in midfield alongside James Milner um, yes, and Abby Cater. Yeah. That was when I was. Well, I now understand why we had so uh, little control, probably, <laughs> of that game in the middle of the park, despite sort of his 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 uh, his best efforts and some of the injuries and the absences that we were going through at the at the time in that in that department. But um, yeah, what did you what did you make of that game and? Um, I suppose even that's sort of how that early on Conte approached it and, and managed to get the side to be, uh, you know, aggressive and competitive because there's, there's some names there who have obviously moved on since uh, since that fixture. Yeah, I think you've hit the nail on the head there. I think I enjoyed how competitive Spurs were, um, and I enjoyed their aggression actually because I think um, it's hard to be um, entirely back in the moment, but I remember thinking at the time, I just want some competence. I just want to feel that um, this team can compete with a side like Liverpool. And obviously, there are asterisks against that game. Um, you know, Liverpool were not at full strength, obviously. Um, things have changed in the, in the uh, Tottenham team since then. I'm sure we'll get on to um, Bentancourt and Kulisewski uh, later on. But it was it was a good, fun, competitive game of football. And um, I think that, uh, that was a game which Harry Kane should have been sent off at the beginning and Andy Robson got sent off at the end. Mm. Um, and there's that terrible Alisson... Becker mistake that let Son score um, 
I think at the time it was it was something that our fan base needed just to see that uh, okay it wasn't perfect and clearly there were some flaws and benefited a little bit from the red card clearly but um, it was a okay so this is Conte this is what he gives you because everything before had been very loose before his arrival uh, and I include the time I um, mean the season before it wasn't just the Nuno Espirito Santo games um, the year before under Jose Mourinho was um, for a large part pretty miserable hmm. um, as it unraveled as it always seems to be for everybody who experiences that um, unique part of football um, <laughs> and I enjoyed Conte I, I thought um, I, li- I liked I was I think at the time I was still reveling in the novelty of the way he responded he reacted with the crowd and the way he interacted with our supporters and the uh, response he seemed to engender from some of our players, and it was yeah, it was it was deeply encouraging. Um, and yeah, it was. The thing is, is it, it's been a funny time because that new stadium of Tottenham is obviously um, feels like home to a certain extent, but there aren't many memories in it. There aren't many. I don't have many. M- many of my memories don't exist there. For instance, all of mine is still at Old White Hart Lane. And so that was an occasion and it felt like a proper match that you could actually that you could store in the memory bank and reference. And, you know, I hadn't really thought about it, actually, until you brought it up. And yet, you know, um, the muscle memory is uh, is taking me right back there. And, and that's a good thing. And, and because of the COVID interruptions and because of the kind of the chopping and changing with managers and, um, you know, some of the personnel issues that Spurs have had over the last couple of years, it's been a very uh, sort of transient, fluent, uh, fluid time, um, which doesn't suit the kind of the bedding in to the new stadium experience. So that that no. came up there. It was, a, it was a good match. Yeah, and no, I'm just thinking about it yourself. Actually, as you were recounting some of the incidents there, yeah, I've completely forgotten about the Kane red card. I'm sure on the day I was uh, <laughs> I was I was very different, but now I now remember it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> And um, I also remember, yeah, the yeah, the Allison era because it's, it's it's they've been so rare this season from him. He's been yeah. so so incredible in one v one situations that we yeah, when he does make sort of a, an error that you consider to be you know, more or less his bread and butter, just in the basics. Um, it does, yeah, it, it does it, it does linger in the memory a little bit. But um, I, I mean, even looking at the team sheets, I mentioned Liverpool's one there with some of the. I mean, I think uh, a combination of Tyler Morton and Milner in midfield is. Uh, probably one that we Klopp wasn't keen to try again after the game, even sort of with the best of respect to both of them. But yeah, I'm, I'm looking at sort of the, the the Tottenham team, and as you mentioned, just competence, aggression, you know, competitiveness in that game. That was sort of what Conte was trying to engender early on. But um, you know, Ndombele in midfield alongside Harry Winks and Deli Ali, uh, sort of interesting combination yeah, there. Now. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, even sort of the the way in which he was lining up with the with the defence as well. I mean, it's uh, sort of interested in sort of uh, your, your opinion on, we, we could talk about Conte maybe off the pitch in a, in, a, in a little bit, but Conte in terms of how he approached dealing with the players he did have to work with, um, in terms of sort of how, how he, he, try, he tried to set them up and get the best out of them. Um, and I suppose you probably could sort of divide it back down into pre and post Kuvasleski and um, Bentancur, could you? Yeah, I, I think that's fair. And I, one thing I'll say about Conte is I, um, with a couple of exceptions, I think he's given most players a chance. So um, the midfield there, obviously none of those players will be um, featuring at the weekend for different reasons. And Dombele has gone off to Leon on loan. Uh, Dele Alli is now an Everton player. Um, and Harry Winks. Harry Winks is kind of, I feel a bit sad for Harry Winks because I, there was a point where his trajectory was um, very steep indeed. But um 
whether it's a kind of combination of injury or self-confidence, or diminishing self-confidence or changes as a manager, um, he's never really been able to call his place in the team a permanent one. Um, and now he's kind of a, he's like a sort of a relief pitcher. And he'll come on and you, you can use him for kind of single issue problems. So if you need a bit of direct passing in your midfield, then Harry Winks is your guy, but he's not going to provide any defensive security along the way. Um, and I, I actually, I've got quite like the, um, the approach he's taken because um, one of the problems Conte's had is that he lost Oliver Skip for the classic indeterminable um, Tottenham injury period, which was a couple of weeks, then it became a couple of months, and oh, then yeah. it's just a big, a big question mark, and no one knows when he's coming back. I know those, um, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Light, light bruising. Expected that soon. <laughs> exactly. You know, a back strain that you can't scan for. Yeah, well, Oliver Skip is, um, you know, he's a super player. He's a really really encouraging complete midfielder and Conte obviously thought very very highly of him when he when he arrived at the club um and he's been gone forever and he's uh, he's had surgery and he's out for the rest of the season but um I think he's done quite well to sort of think himself around some of these issues like um Bentancur's arrival uh, made a huge difference because he's an entirely different class of like sort of static holding midfielder um clearly the best receiver and passer in in that department at the moment um, compliments Pierre-Emil Hoiberg very nicely. Hoiberg has been another Conte regular. Um, it's really sort of, um, I don't know. I mean, I, he's a very divisive player at Tottenham uh, within the fans, within the fan base, because um, he doesn't do anything flashy and he, he has bad moments sometimes, but he's a he's a very solid sort of 7 out of 10 player and his combination with Bentancourt has been pretty good. Uh, and so Conte's ability to think of him, his way around those problems, but also not, not just... Um, I felt at times under Mourinho um, as if some of the problems that people could see in the first 11 weren't addressed in, in the sense that uh, he just kept sending out um, teams with the same instructions and expecting a better result, which always struck me as very odd. Um, whereas this has been more pragmatic, I think that he's found solutions. There's also been an element of meritocracy to the team. So obviously with Conte, you get wing backs and... Matt Doherty was a wing-back reborn for a while. He got injured, unfortunately, um, against Villa and hasn't been seen since and won't be until next season. Um, but he's um, he has at least shown an awareness of where the issues are and um, how to kind of combat them. And it's been... I wouldn't say it's been good. I mean, it's been fine. It's been um, better than it was before. And you hmm. think maybe with, with a couple of summers or with a few windows, it might get a little bit better. But I... Um, maybe I'm being unduly negative, but uh, I, I still don't think Tottenham are particularly good. I think they're okay, but they're in that group of teams with Man United and Arsenal, who um, I think Arsenal are probably the best of that group, perhaps. But um, you know, they're kind of as bad as each other in a way. Um, Chelsea are a little group of their own um, behind uh, you and Manchester City, of course. Um, but Spurs. I don't know. I don't trust them. I think it's because I don't. <laughs> I don't know what I'm going to see from them. They haven't. Um, they haven't developed that kind of baseline level of performance yet for me to trust them. And I, and I think a lot of that comes from the midfield because at times. Um, so, you mentioned the the Ndombele Ali uh, Harry Winks yeah. axis. Not even sure what axis of what. Not evil, <laughs> but it, axis of something. Yeah. Um, I still think there are too many ways now, even a couple of months further on, where. You know, with better players, the Bentancur and and Hoiberg will start in the middle there. Um, it's too easy to negate that group at the moment. You know, it's okay. too easy to. So, for instance, when um, when Brighton uh, against White Hart Lane 
did a very good job of taking all the space away from Bendencourt. And then, you know, you saw the kind of the, the gaps in the formation, the kind of gaps between the, the different departments. Same Brentford. Um, so question still to answer. It is better, but it's, it's not good. <laughs> hmm. Yeah. And I suppose, I mean, I was, I think we, we, we should come on to talk about Conte and sort of his future later on, but uh, sure. I, I think one thing that's interested me about it, because we've spoken in the past <coughs> about how, you know, the likes of Mourinho, um, may have acted off the pitch and sort of completely unsurprisingly in terms of sort of some of his commentary and, and sort of how he mm-hmm. would talk about players at his disposal. And, you know, very often woe is me. And, you know, you can't expect, <laughs> you, you can't expect me to do better, you know, with these players, for example. Um, the fact that I, I'm interested in sort of how you feel Conte's approach that side of things, because he's a very blunt, straightforward character. I think nobody was uh, surprised by that, hopefully when, when he came in, he, he, he really has called it as he's, uh, as he's seen it on many occasions, I think last time before the Liverpool game, we were speaking about some of his quotes around maybe the the exit from um, the the Conference League. Um, it, it some of his just very blunt comments about certain players and, and, and where they currently were, and some some of the work that needed to be done. I mean, how how do you think that's been received by by the fan base? Because I mean, it's it's it's, it's hard to argue with, but then still, you, you're thinking about well, you know, you've still got to motivate those players. You, you, you're, you've still got to sort of um, uh, be honest about the fact that you knew what you were getting yourself into. Uh, it, it seemed like it when you when you took the job. I mean, I, I'm interested in your thoughts about how Conte's um, handled that side of things and, and those uh, aspects of his uh, of his job. Well, it plays very well with the elements within our fan base who are very anti Enoch and, and Daniel Levy because when Antonio Conte says things like "squad's not good enough, needs investment, yeah. need new players." Um, everyone in that sort of faction cheers because it's what they believe. And there's an the truth to it, Spurs. I don't think um, you could argue that Spurs have suffered as a result of underinvestment. If you look back to, um, you know, uh, the 2019 Champions League final, well, um, Spurs' decline began before that, actually. And um, if you look where Liverpool are now and the kind of players that have been acquired, then, you know, case makes, makes itself. Um, I think... Um, I mean, I can only really speak from, from my own perspective, but I, I find it very boring, actually, because um, I believe in calling players out when they underperform, and I believe in calling out executives who don't uh, who don't allow a, a squad to grow and who don't provide the funding, that, you know, providing funding when it exists. At the same time, though, um, it just becomes quite tedious because uh, Antonio Conte is, in a way, someone that never really belongs to you. I mean, that's at least what he is at Spurs because um, he's made sure that um, the perception exists all the time that at any given moment he could walk out. And that's still true now. Like he's still being asked on a weekly basis whether, you know, he's going to be at Spurs next season. Hmm. And at some point you just think, okay, mate, but um, I I don't know. Just it, it, it It's not what I... It doesn't play particularly well with some of my personality. Hmm. I, like a, I like a head coach who buys into your culture and who wants to change things and who sees problems and issues but is willing to um to stick around to or at least give the impression that he's willing to stick around to fight them or to to to, to provide create the and find the remedies for them yeah there's Conte, been the impression of, of 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 this distance that he's 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 been conscious to create from from, from very early on which has been a, i thought slightly strange but is that is that what you're, you're sort of describing? 
yeah, 100%. Like, and it's, it's a little bit contradictory because on the touchline, he is, as you know, um, yes. <laughs> the most animated head coach in, in, in world football. And yet, um, and yet it's kind of, you're constantly being reminded that, oh, well, you know, you, you're lucky to have me. And I, I, I suppose he's right because um, Tottenham have made some awful decisions over the past few years um, and they don't really deserve to be in the position to hire someone of his caliber. At the same time, um, a lot of me just, I suppose I, the, the most succinct way of describing it, Harry, is um, I admire him. I don't really have any affection for him um, because um, as soon as there's something better, I'm sure he'll he'll vanish. Or as soon as as soon as um, the kind of the uh, the Tottenham climate, uh, you know, doesn't really suit him, then I'm sure he'll he'll be off. And in in the same sense that, and I I think you see this with players sometimes. You get to you you'll you'll know what this is like. You you get to the end of a year, and I mean this is probably true maybe 10 15 years ago, and the club won't have achieved its objectives. It won't have, I don't know, qualified for the Champions League. And a player will say something like, yeah, but I, I just want to be playing Champions League football. And you think to yourself, well, you had the chance to. Like, you, you were in the team and you were part of the reason why it didn't happen. You know, like, um, it's one of the things that got me really worked up about Harry Kane over the summer. Yeah. You, you, you think, okay, well, the club put you in a Champions League final, uh, which you weren't fit to play in, but you played it anyway. Um, Gave you the platform to become England captain, World Cup Golden Boot winner, Premier League Golden Boot winner, um, and you know one of the highest paid club uh, players at the club. And yet, you kind of distance yourself from everything other than the things that you. I don't know any any part of failure. A certain character just says, "Well, you know that that's on everybody else. The success is me, but the things that haven't been done well, well, that's you." And and there's a bit of that to Conte because. I suspect that if Spurs don't finish in the top four or don't have Champions League football and then don't have the funds that come with that, then that will weigh into, um, that will factor into his decision uh, whether to stay or not. You think, well, um, you still coached the team that lost at home <laughs> to Brighton and couldn't be Brentford. Um, and you have a responsibility. And I, I know that's old-fashioned. And I know I sound like a right old bastard saying things like that because it's just not the way the game works anymore. But it annoys me. And it, it stops me feeling anything for the coach, the team, the club. And I think that's why it really annoys me because I, I enjoy being involved and I enjoy having that emotional attachment. And with Conte, you know, truth be told, and um, I'm sure some people just don't really believe me, I'm not really bothered whether Tottenham finish in the top four. It doesn't really mean anything because I, at the moment I don't really feel as if the club is on it on a journey in the same way that it has been before. Like with early Pochettino years, you knew that, um, okay, it might not go well this year, but we'll have a go next year. Mm. And that's absent here. So you, you just, it's very difficult to, um, to invest in that, um, from a fan's perspective, I think. Yeah. It's, it's interesting what you're saying there around. I mean, I think there's, 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 you mentioned players who feel that way in terms of sort of, sort of shirking any responsibility for some of the yeah. failures. Um, and then you think about, yeah, the, the managers that we were discussing as well. And there's a, <laughs> there's one Jose Mourinho who's definitely, seemed to adopt that uh, strategy around sort of um, wins and losses. And you wonder how much that bleeds into, you know, some, even some of the players that he's managed that, you know, it was, very rarely yeah. is it his fault um, when things, when things go wrong. Um, but he's, he's quick to remind us of his, uh, his success whenever he has an op- opportunity. And you do think that's, um, yeah, it's, it, it, it probably has been, as you say, since what Pochettino, where it felt as though, there were numerous parties operating on more or less the same 
same level in terms of or, or being together on the mission, uh, maybe having slightly different views around sort of bu- building squads as it sort of things came to pass in the end for, for Pochettino. But is, is that, is that the last time where you felt that there was that real sense of unity across the board? I think so. I think so because I, I think, um, I think when you, the Pochettino ending was, was kind of tragic because, um, I mean, purely because of what it was, first, first and foremost, but also because of what it did in the sense that I, I think a lot of people, um, I think the club lost a lot of people when that happened. I don't mean in the permanent sense. I don't mean they, you know, they went off to non-league clubs in a sulk and never came back in. I just mean emotionally because, um, I, I don't, I can't remember an, a, a sort of a, a more unified moment mm. in the club's modern history than then. Um, I mean, it, it, it affected me. I remember actually, uh, <laughs> I, even as a rival fan, I remember looking at yeah. it and going, that strikes me as a very stupid thing to do because of how destabilizing it would be. Not even that you can maybe get a nice shiny new manager or, or whatever the reasons were around sort of the, the on the pitch stuff. It just felt like a, no, you've achieved quite a nice balance here, quite a, quite a nice equilibrium here. And, uh, why disturb that, you know? Yeah. And also, I think, um, one of the main issues with all the decisions that were made in the aftermath, whether they be managerial or, um, in the transfer market, is that a lot of people knew that they were mistakes. Um, I think when Mourinho was sacked, uh, when Mourinho was appointed, a lot of people said, well, this isn't going to work because of X, Y, and Z. And, um, a year later, it proved not to work because of X, Y, and Z. And that's very frustrating because it feels like um, it feels like you're you're kind of applying a feels like your your ambition is subject to a half life because you you just know that there's no long term future and I I think that's the case with some of these appointments. So Mourinho, you know, you're not going to get more than two years. Um, Conte, I think, is probably the same. Those two years may be different, but um, you're still he's not a dynastic manager, is he? He's not going to he's not going to reshape the way the club is thought of. He's there to do a few things, um, uh, decorate the CV a little bit, and then go off to wherever is you know primed for success next. Very very good coach, but um, that is who he is. Nuno Espirito Santo was just simply a. I, I feel a little bit sorry for him actually because um, I think his appointment came at the end of a summer where the club had been uh, the, the, the supporters had been embarrassed by the club um, because, uh, well, the way they handled. Um, Mourinho's successor was just it was a disgrace actually um and because that you could see the clubs working and um you could see how little due diligence was actually going into some of the, the movements I think that was it was appalling I, I remember the the night of Reno Gattuso you know yeah. when, when it was sort of well hey this guy has done okay mm. we haven't actually thought about how he'll play with the kind of the supporters and you know we haven't gone as far as to look at you know what he believes in or what he seems or appears to represent but you know we'll have a go anyway and and i think um quite rightly a lot of fans just thought uh, you know um it felt very hopeless at that stage and all things are relative harry i, I mm. thought i'm a very wealthy club with a beautiful stadium and many 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 sporting advantages but um as a fan we're all entitled to kind of be a little bit insular at times like that and um Oh, it hacked me right off all of that that summer. It was rubbish. Yeah, and I, I suppose you even sort of like, um, not to really dwell on this, but I remember when you were talking about um, uh, sort of that instability, that distance, um, and and I, I suppose with everything that had gone on with Kane, 
even sort of where where things appear to be at the moment and sort of how he's reintegrated himself to a certain extent anyway um yeah again that's yeah, it's 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 creating distance isn't it you know, i mean even 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 despite some of those uh inconsistent areas of the club and, and the things that were causing irritation the fact that you had you know the him as a player who had that association with the club uh, you know, and there was that affection the fact that that was even sort of damaged as well yeah i can i can understand why that's that's been difficult. I mean, just just, just jumping onto Kane actually, I, I maybe we'll, we'll talk a little bit about how how Conte's tried to to shape this um, this Tottenham side and, and, and sort of how they have evolved, even sort of par- partially this season yeah. with with Kane and that situation around um, obviously the desire to move away, the, the fact that it didn't come to uh, didn't come to party, then seemed to be um, taking a long time to sort of reintegrate himself fully, but then also maybe there's more genuine questions around his his physical capacity um, at this stage yeah. as well, which I think uh, have come more to the fore as, as uh, he hasn't properly come back yeah, to sort of a you know, peak hurricane, whatever that is. Um, yeah. How, how have you found his, his efforts at reintegration or the, the efforts to reintegrate him into the side and um, just how much of a focal point he now, he now currently is obviously dovetailing really well with, uh, with Sun on occasion, on, on many occasions, which, which we'll come on to talk about, with Hung Min Sun um, in in a little bit, but that whole situation around Harry Kane, um, I, I, I mean, how you how do you feel about it right now? Oh, sorry, Harry, just say that last bit again. I lost you. Oh, I was just, I was just asking how you feel about it right now in, in, in terms of sort of the um, everything to do with Harry Kane. Uh, indifferent, I think. Um, I think uh, Harry Kane has played his cards. Um, I don't think really anything has changed. I, I think we've kind of we've entered a, a period of appeasement um, and I'm sure he still wants to go to a more successful club where he can, he can pick up some Premier League winners medals. Hmm. And I would, I would say pick up rather than win because I, yes, I think that's yeah. the dynamic today. Like I, I think if you, um, Michael Owen respect, dynamic. <laughs> well, yeah, because I think if you, if you go and sign for Manchester city, um, that's kind of part of your signing on fee, isn't it? You know, you're just going to collect a few Premier League winners medals because um, uh, that's a that's the air in which that club exists, and so it's it's difficult to take. And I I do accept also that for for people like me, for fans of clubs like mine, um, this stuff is wrapped up in what we think of clubs that are run under those conditions. Um, and I think that's a very fair grievance, and a lot of people in modern football would feel the same way. Um, with Kane, uh, actually, Kane, Kane, Kane's play has been often excellent. I mean, he had a very slow start to the season, admittedly. Um, Conte has been smart enough to import the Son Kane dynamic from previous eras. Um, and so, actually, uh, it isn't much changed, but I, I think the understanding has deepened a little bit. And um, Kane's playmaking ability is just um, its phenomenal. And he's a, he's an exceptional player. And he, um, you know, and it's, it's not a coincidence. Um, Physically, I, I don't, I don't detect a lack of effort. I just think that um, at times, uh, when Hurricane is not fit, he looks really unfit. He's one of those guys. He's not someone that you can kind of, uh, y- you don't disguise his physical condition. When he's working his way back to fitness or he's off form, he looks very clunky as a footballer, and that will always be true. Um, I think he's a professional in the sense that he's always given his his best. I just, it's just such a shame. I think you you have this guy who grew up supporting the club. Who was developed by the club, broke into the first team, 
was part of an amazing journey. Um, and I would say part of, not the reason for. Like if you're looking back at that team and, you know, looking back at the effect of Pochettino or players like Toby Alderweireld, Jan Vertonghen or Misa Dembele, you know, um, I think it would be enormously disrespectful to say that Harry Kane has um, has carried Tottenham to this level or that, um, you know, he, he's due gratitude for that. I think he's been part of something wonderful and he's developed into a wonderful player. Um, but I don't, I don't, not sure I have that much affection for him now because I, I think um, his intent has been made clear. And I don't know, I, it's not a, it's not a, it's not a grievance. It's not a, there's no hostility. It's just a, hmm. it's more of a kind of, oh, so actually you're just one of those. And it's a, okay. So it's, you just return to neutral with it because um, I think also the great irony is that um, as this has happened, I think there's been a lot of transference of affection towards Son Heung Min. Um, I was going to say, yeah. Because the thing about him is that, um, well, he's a phenomenal player. And there have been times this season where you just think you're much too good to be in this side. Because if you were playing for Barcelona or Real Madrid, you, you would be, um, you'd be probably not winning, but you'd be in the conversation around the Ballon d'Or. You, you'd be in that sort of top 10 or whatever. Um, and deservedly so. And he, he's, he's got a wonderful attitude and he's a very um, likable personality. Um, and to us, at least. And it's great, and he's very quiet. He never causes any trouble. You never hear any noise. Um, he's never agitating, although he's entitled to. Recently signed a new contract, I think. Um, yeah, and he seems so, to have taken the club to his his heart from the outside. I mean, looking in. Yeah, I, I would say that. Um, yeah, I would say he's the club's most popular player too. Um, and Kane's actions are involved in that. I don't want to sound pious because this is just football. He's Harry Kane's entitled to to do what he wants. It's just that the cost of that. Mm-hmm. is um your kind of your special place as a homegrown talent um yeah. that's just that's the deal um doesn't deserve any any nastiness or unpleasantness um it's just um that's the game today and uh yeah so it's a strange one i think um come the end of the season regardless of where Tottenham finish um it will all begin again and i suppose things are a little bit different because erling Haaland will um we expect will arrive at man city before much longer i think that's that's the, that's the rumor and that's the expectation um which means that there'll be no hurricane in manchester city hmm. and then you're wondering whether um anybody else really has the money to meet the asking price manchester united but what are you achieving by moving to this manchester united you're actually going down in the table i mean you you'd earn more but um i think you'd lose respect for anyone that kind of moved down to go to um that club at this particular time uh great club though they are but um clearly in disarray and it's not a if you're a 28 29 year old player i don't think you're winning the premier league in your um at manchester united in the next two or three years which means that you're kind of you're not really moving for footballing reasons um so yeah i don't i don't know where his destination would be kind of he's sort of a man out of time isn't he harry kane because um (laughs) it's never quite worked out and i don't Never felt to me as if Man City were quite as serious about signing him as as he was about wanting to go there. Um, that's just a hunch. It's not based on anything. It's just um, it's just how I feel. But it, it was it was a weird uh, weird situation because um, I, a, a club with that amount of money and a player who's obviously worth more than they were willing to part with. Um, it just always felt odd to me. Mm. There's some horrendous sort of uh, sort of nightmarish. Um swap deal uh around Lukaku and Kane isn't there somewhere in the ether you you can just sort of <laughs> some sort of fan fiction <laughs> sort of where 
Antonio Conte gets a striker that he's, he's probably sort of understands how to get the best out of. Kane gets to stay in the Premier League, I guess. And but but the animosity would be oh, it'd be, it'd be absolutely dreadful. Um, but yeah, I think I think I think you're correct there as well because if you if you're if you're looking purely at football reasons and you go well, if you're prepared to put the the personal accolades of what you've done in the Premier League to one side and you just want to go and experience things and win things, I mean, there's maybe, maybe there's some places you you could go, but I I, I do think that those those um those accolades that let's face it he has worked quite hard to to accumulate um pro- probably do mean quite a lot to him so that's that's where your question of where well where does he go um I I, I think is quite um is quite pertinent to be honest um just to move away from play uh, move away from players for a second I, I, we will come back to Sun um I think a little bit later but in terms of there being a game i mean so far in conte's six months at the club where you look at it and go well that's that that is probably as close as we're going to get uh with the current players he has at his disposal to how uh you imagined a conte uh tottenham team playing um is there is there one that sticks in your mind yeah probably villa away okay probably i mean just because it seemed to it seemed to involve a lot of um uh conte dna in the sense that uh it was quite ruthless it was Villa played very, very well that day. Uh, they actually battered Spurs in the first half, and um, uh, Conte was indebted to Hugo Lloris for a really terrific performance. Um, but the way I looked at it, it was a kind of, well, they took the beatings and they were able to withstand it. It was very resilient. And then when the chances opened up, when kind of Villa punched themselves out a little bit, then um, it was pretty ruthless after that. And I think, um, whether I'm right or wrong, I, I think from the outside, that's how I always perceived Antonio Conte's football. Is it had a kind of maddening quality to it in the sense that he just won, and um, it didn't really matter what you did in response, and that's probably how Villa fans felt. So it's um, yeah, I, I suppose that's the one that sticks in my mind. And in, in terms of sort of the areas where you think that the the squad is most in need of of reinforcements, putting Conte's sort of sort of desires to aside for for the minute, where do you think those areas are? And I'm sort of almost interested in terms of there, there seemed to be under Pochettino definitely a clear plan around the the profile of players that were being targeted in terms of players that could be could be developed, and, and this is something that Conte has spoken about as well. I think um, of late around that you know these are the, that's the profile of players that Spurs are are looking at. You know, younger players who can develop at, over time at the club, uh, and he was suggesting that you need to be targeting uh, you know, players a little bit older. Um, maybe in their peak years, in, in order to you know, try and maximise the, the success you can achieve in the short term, I suppose very fitting with sort of his priorities, but also it seems fitting with sort of the way in which the club's priorities had shifted after Pochettino left. I'm, I'm just interested in sort of what you think the club would do in terms of, well, these are the positions where we need to strengthen, but do you think they would opt for a younger uh, profile of player or do you think they are sort of now more in that um, short-term uh, mindset still? Yeah, I think I think they have to be short term to appease Conte. Actually, I mean, I think um, well, let's, let's do this in stages. So, um, where do they need to strengthen uh, wing back? Clearly, um, the right side is a disaster. Always. Uh, oh, I mean, uh, I mean, I'm sure there's a, a good home for him somewhere in European football, but Emerson Royale is nowhere close to being a Conte wing back. Mm. Um, I, I feel myself age every time he touches the ball. Everything happens <laughs> so slowly. Um, it's just, it's just not. It's, it, it's not that he's a bad player. It's just that he's, he's, he's hopelessly wrong as a, as in profile for this team, um, which is fine because he was bought for a different manager. So I can forgive it. But um, 
So yeah, right wing back, another centre half would be incredibly useful. And I think um, at some point uh, there's going to have to be a conversation about goalkeeping. Um, I think Hugo Lloris has been a, an excellent goalkeeper for a really long time. What I would say though is that um, he's 34 and he is, I mean, well, you're a Liverpool fan, so you'll know this. He doesn't like a big game, does he? Um, he has cost us so many points in important situations. He makes great saves, and you remember those, and he should be applauded for those. And he has been, uh, of the, you know, a, a very, very good goalkeeper for a decade. The thing is, though, that you put a ceiling on yourself if you know that you're going to have someone that chucks a couple in. I mean, he does it at Anfield every year. Yeah. There's often a every chaotic moment, isn't it? Even, oh. even in the was it the, the was it the World Cup final? I'm just trying to yeah 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 no, where no, there was yeah, like yeah. You know, there was no need for there to be anything <laughs> slightly unsettling, and he just went, let me just you know add a little bit of chaos into this and <laughs> see, see what happens. It's like um, you know, you know that old statistic on Football Manager, like you know, loves big games. Lloris like, <laughs> hates big games, hates, hates them. them. Yeah. It's, I mean, the thing is, is it's a really strange thing to say um, for someone who's experienced as many games as he has. He's played World Cup finals, European Championship finals, yeah, European Cup finals. Um, so it's a, it's a quite, it's quite a strange attribute, and he does have a lot of really good human qualities, and which which make him a good captain. But the, the problem is, is that um, it's just the mistakes. You, you don't um i that they're they're too frequent and it's too much of it it's almost like a kind of a meme within tottenham fandom like you know it's just you know he's dropped that one or he's a little bit weak under crosses or he'll make a bad decision his hands can be a little bit soft and yeah to a certain extent some of his reflex saves and some of the moments he's produced do make up for that it's just that you really feel the cost of the mistakes when they occur in big games um mm. and unfortunately that's just been the case no, absolutely. I, I think, in in terms of you saying sort of short term to appease Conte, but you also th- also thinking about sort of maximizing, you know, the potential impact that certain star players can have as well. And I think that brings us on to just speak about Sun Hume in a little bit. Um, and you know, the, I remember in the past I was speaking um, around him, and you saying that you weren't you weren't necessarily convinced by him as a as sort of an all round player that he was clearly very talented, but you were sort of question sort of how uh, the, how consistent the all-round level of his performances could be, I think, for, for Tottenham a while ago. Um, it seems to have really developed that side, and tell me if I'm wrong on that, and he's still maybe a moments player in, in, in some instances. But, um, the way in which he, on many occasions, in, in my opinion anyway, it seems to have been able to step up when Harry Kane hasn't been there, um, or there's been some noise or some clouds around the club. Um, I've, I've, I've often found quite, um, striking, to be honest, because those, those sorts of players who are able to do that, um, I mean, fans tend to be very affectionate towards them. Um, and yeah, he's, it's, 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 it's not hard not to like, um, uh, you know, son, but, um, in terms of his, his development this season, his, his increased sort of focal, focal role in the side this season, um, what you think of, of how he's playing, I think he's currently what within three of uh, of Salah in terms of, sort of the the race for the Golden Boot this season as well. Um, yeah, just what what have you made about sort of the way in which he's grown um, as a figure at Spurs? Well, I mean, I, I still think he's patchy, Harry. Mm. I mean, he, he's he's a um, still think a moments. Um, 
Well, I, I don't know. Maybe it, it, I mean, I, I do remember saying that, and I, I think that might have been harsh. I, I think what I probably should have said is that he plays in patches of form. Um, right, okay. Yeah. When he's hot, he's lethal. When he's bad, um, he... He's, he's not bad when, when, when he's when he's sort of six out of ten um he can have very little influence on games i still think i see him as a kind of a component at spurs and it, like he's reliant on um not reliant but he, he's a beneficiary of like you know kane's playmaking or good delivery um yes he can um produce individual moments and, and win games of course he can it's just that um every, in every season if a season is nine months long there'll probably be three months cumulatively where he isn't as, at his best. He's not like, I wouldn't put him in Mohamed Salah's category. Like I wouldn't, um, he might be in a better team, I understand. But um, because he has to do so much at Spurs, because um, for a long time, particularly, um, you know, towards the end of the Pochettino reign and for most of the last couple of years, um, if he hasn't played well, if either he or Kane hasn't played well, um, then there isn't really a Tottenham attack to speak of. <laughs> um then you seem to, I think you get, I think, I think he suffers a little bit from wear and tear over right. the course of the season. And also, you, you shouldn't forget, um, obviously, every international break, he travels enormous distances. Mm. Um, loves playing for his country, which is great. Um, but obviously, the cost of that is jet lag and injuries and soft tissue issues. And um, I think this season, I, I might be wrong, but I, I think he had a touch of COVID, um, which uh, put him out for a while. Um, which is obviously a difficult thing for a professional athlete to to deal with, but uh, yeah, it's um tricky one. Um, fabulous player, but he's just not. He's not a um, he's not going to be a world beater for thirty eight games of a season. That's all. Hmm. So almost more of a jotter. I mean, if I'm trying to make sort of comparisons directly with Liverpool here, but that's that's my maybe go- more of a Mane. Actually. A Mane, like okay. Jota, I, I love Jota. I just. Mane to me is I I love Sadio Mane. There's no bigger fan um, than me. But I I think of him as someone who is a kind of maybe a, a seven out of, and a half out of ten player for um, maybe a third of a season and an absolutely fantastic one for two thirds. Mm. Um, and I think I put Son in that category. That's just the guy that is yeah. I, I, Jota I, I don't mean in disrespect to Jota. I I love him. He's he's an excellent footballer. But um, yeah, just um, I would I would. I've always um, perversely wondered what Son would do in Liverpool's side. I think he'd be brilliant. Um, yeah, I've always... Uh... <laughs> I don't, never want to see it happen, obviously, but I, I do still have that curiosity. Yeah, no, he is. I think each and every time there's a, a post-match hug between him and uh, Klopp, I do I, I do wonder. I do wonder. But, um, yeah, I'll just have to go in the pantheon of, yeah, you'll, <laughs> you'll never know all sort of what-ifs at pub quizzes and things like that. I mean... The, the other player I want to talk about as well, because again, for sort of slightly strange, he's, he's on loan. Um, Kulazewski, uh and his his impact. Um, I, I really I had no idea he was as young as he is, and that's every time I've sort of rediscovered Amazing, that it? fact, I've been yeah. <laughs> struck by it. But um, you mentioned Ben Tanker earlier on, and sort of the the classiness that he's brought in um, in uh, central midfield. Um, what have you made of? Uh, Kulisewski, because I'm very impressed by sort of um, the way in which he's seemed to adapt to life in the in the Premier League, both in terms of um, so, some of the end product I've seen from him, but also just the, uh, the how combative he is. Yeah, I, I think I underestimated him as a player. Mm. I mean, I I knew he was a good player. I didn't I didn't think I appreciated how good a player he was. Um, also, I didn't realize that there's a bit of devilment to him, Harry. Like he's a bit nasty. Oh, good. Nice good. You need you need you need yeah, those. Yeah. Yeah, you do. You do need someone that um 
I mean, occasionally he, um, I forget who it was, but he nearly got himself sent off against Brighton. Yeah, yeah that's it. He um he tried to elbow Cucurella, um, <laughs> which is. So how can you elbow that guy? <laughs> yeah, how can you? How can you how, it's just it's just great, like right. Um, but um, no, he's been excellent, a bit nuggety and nasty, and um, all the all the ability in the world. And I think he's actually um, I'd have to look it up, but I think he's, he's among the leading assist makers um in the Premier League. Uh, and uh, not in total i just mean he's pretty high up the charts despite um you know uh only arriving in january <laughs> which is kind of cool no absolutely yeah he's 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 he seemed very involved and and again not somebody who doesn't shirk away from uh you know really establishing themselves on some on some very big games um and thinking even sort of his impact against uh against city um earlier in the season as well I, I suppose we, we, we come on sort of naturally now to, to the run in, because I think that's what people will be talking about relentlessly now for the next, um, uh, was it only four games? Um, but in terms of, uh, the, the, the race for top four, I've, I've got no jingles or music to play in the background there, but, um, I'm sure <laughs> there's going to be a lot that's made around, um, the, the North London derby that has been scheduled the way it has been in, in the end and actually now is going to probably give, uh, give the TV networks exactly what they want <laughs> in terms of it maybe being uh, decisive. Um, but yeah, where do you currently stand? I mean, do, do you where do you currently stand on sort of whether um, the the club's chances of finishing in the top four? Do you think that, as you talked about earlier on, if if if, if they don't, um, it's hard to know whether or not it will be um, you know, pivotal in terms of Conte staying or the money being available and this and that. It's it sounds like you're 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 slightly slightly detached from it anyway, as sort of many fans might be, just given the current situation and the bunch of different narratives running on at the club. But um, what are your sort of opinions on on whether or not Spurs will make it, and, how, and just how important that is? Um, no, I, I think the chance is gone. I, I think um, I think they blew it with that loss to Brighton and then the draw at Brentford. Um, unfortunately, um, also I. I I mean, the game hasn't actually started at Anfield yet, but I'm already surprised that we're not 2-0 down. <laughs> so what I, I, the thing is, is that I, I imagine by the end of the weekend, um, you know, the, the gap will be five points to Arsenal. They've got a pretty easy game against Leeds at home and that, that will be gone. But then that's OK, because I think Arsenal will probably deserve it. Arsenal have um, Arsenal played very well this season and some of the football has been excellent. Um, and I don't know. I mean, also, I, I think it's a bit of a trick of the mind, Harry. I think that, the importance of Champions League football, these little sort of, um, you know, quasi trinkets that you can pick up if you're not, you know, owned by a Gulf state. Um, no, I don't care about them as much. I used to, I used to, but then I, I kind of, I want the other stuff. I want the kind of the, um, you know, the more subtle aspects of it. Um, and, um, I don't know. I, I like Champions League football, but Tottenham are going to win the Champions League. So, I, I don't know. I mean, it would also, if you said to me at the beginning of the season, you know, fifth place, get out of that Europa Conference League, and I can't tell you how terrible it is. <laughs> I can't, I just can't. It's so, it's just awful. Like, there's no, it's not even like Premier League arrogance. It's just a terrible, terrible feeling being in the Conference League. <laughs> um, so, Europa League, fifth, fifth place, you know, um, a little bit of progress, you know, a couple of good players arrived. You know, I mean, it's okay. It's okay. I'm okay with that. And if, if um if there's no Champions League football, I'm not going to um, I'm not going to sulk about it. Yeah, it's uh, sort of in, the, in in a weird position of late actually. I mean, not that I've been sort of suffering when it comes to football for 
for a while. Um, but I just, yeah, I'm, I'm almost feeling at this stage, um, and this is not, not just through chatting to you. I've got, I've got a number of friends who, um, are just not, not that happy watching their football club at the moment, to be honest. Um, no. and, uh, hearing you speak there around, um, you know, disregarding trophies and things like that, but actually it's, it's, it's the other stuff. And sometimes the, the intangibles and, uh, that you can get from a manager being united with the club and players, you know, all, all, all battling for the same thing and, and united with the fan base. And it, 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 I, I do feel very, um, sort of, uh, almost, uh, what's the, what's the right word? Not greedy, um, spoiled. Yeah, just spoiled at the moment, to be honest, because obviously that, at, at this stage, Liverpool seem to have it all, um, in terms of, uh, the, that that union there and uh, obviously the, the 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 success that's on the pitch at the moment um yeah i i, I was just going to i was just going to ask you for your for your opinion on liverpool this season because it's always interesting to hear your uh, hear your perspective on the side and i think you're always pretty pretty honest about things as well but yeah just your i guess just your thoughts on liverpool this season and if there's a particular player actually that for you this season's probably stood out more than than in previous seasons or um Liverpool would be great. Actually, I, I was one of the people that really underestimated Liverpool at the beginning of the season. Um, I thought that kind of the cycle wasn't ending, but I just thought that um, with the Lukaku signing at Chelsea and you know with the 100 million investment in, in Grealish at Man City, uh, it would be a bit too much. But then I think Salah's... I, di- I didn't realise Salah had this gear. I thought we'd already seen the very best of him. Also, hmm. whenever players get towards the end of a contract, you think maybe, um, you know, there'll be a little bit of a tailing off. I thought we'd seen the best of Mane. I thought that um, Firmino's days were kind of numbered. Like Jota's progression has been really encouraging. Also, Luis Diaz. I knew of Luis Diaz. Uh, and I kind of happened to think that he'd be the perfect Premier League player. Um, but I didn't think it would be, I didn't think it would look quite like this. Also, I didn't think that a player who came in in January would have the impact that he did because it's so rare. Um, particularly when it's a player coming from, you know, not the Bundesliga, not La Liga, but, you know, a, a, a competition outside the traditional top five. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's been incredibly impressive. Um, and also his adaption to a Liverpool style, because there's one thing just saying, right, well, this is a good player and he's going to come play for your team. It's another thing to actually get proper utility out of him. Mm. Um, and I suppose the other one is, um, I thought kind of, clearly naively, but I, I thought that Van Dyke might suffer a little bit of a hangover from such a long injury absence. Um, because it, I mean, for someone like that who relies so much on, I mean, balance, I suppose, pace, yes, but really I'm, I'm talking about balance kind of his, um, you know, if you think about Virgil Van Dyke in one on one situations, like the balance of his body is just perfect always. Yeah. And when you have something that interferes with it, especially an injury that's serious, I, I thought there would be a kind of a very subtle decline. And then I, I suppose I imagined a little bit of a, a ripple effect of, well, you take Van Dijk out of that Liverpool defence and yeah. Um, but Matip's been very good, I thought. Trent Alexander-Arnold's form has been super. Um, also, I mean, I suppose this is a more recent thing, but I thought, I'd kind of given up on Naby Keita. Um, I'm happy to admit yeah. that. I, I was that, um, I was alone on, I, was, I, was, I remember speaking to Karl Anker at the start of the season and asking me for, um, it's, Actually, very quite funny referring to him as Karl Anker. Um, I remember speaking to Karl at the start of the season and him saying, I want your bad. 
your bad predictions for the season. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and yeah, I was yeah. like, uh, I still believe in uh, Naby season. Naby case. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it, 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 it could be around the corner. And uh, the, the the amount of abuse I got of like, oh, mate, yeah, we, we need to get you off the wagon or something. You need to let it go, right? Yeah. No, well, I mean, I... Um, it's as close as we've come. <laughs> I, did, I did see a bit of him when he was at Leipzig. And I thought that I was, I was very much on the hype train when he arrived because I thought that was just a brilliant deal I thought he was just going to be fantastic transformative footballer um that obviously didn't happen but I think um it's really nice to see a player recover a little bit of their reputation I don't know what the future holds for him um but I think people I think people now see why there was hype at least yeah um and the the kind of the range in his game the things that he does with the ball like I, I think he's a super player I just think you know the Situation hasn't quite been right at times, but uh, yeah. And he's so, also passed that test, I think, that sort of solely exists in English football, where it's uh, you have to do it in a couple of big games. And he, I think I think he's he's, he's he's now done it in enough big games that people, I mean, people still dispute it. I, I can tell you that, but you, you you can now put a pretty good YouTube compilation uh, together for for him at the very least in terms of sort of him him showing up in 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 pretty massive games. I think so, and. Uh, the, the general point about Liverpool here is that um, it seems like every time you've needed a player to elevate their form and provide a little bit of momentum or a little bit of class or um, to produce moments that matter with it over a course of you know two or three weeks, it's been a different guy. Obviously, for Salah, it was about six months, ridiculously. And his level was absurd. Um, but what's been interesting is that as Salah, not dropped off, because that makes it sound like he's out of form, but has kind of gone back to being 8 out of 10, Mohamed Salah, rather than 10 out of 10. Like you've seen Sadio Mane emerge from, you know, his, his form was not good pre-AFCON. Um, and he didn't have a good AFCON either after the kind of the concussion. Um, but um, regardless of, you know, how the competition finished, of course, um, I mean, individually, he he was kind of mediocre. Since he's come back, he's been absolutely excellent um, most of the time, and that's been, I think, that's the difference when you have lots of people that you you don't depend on one player. Liverpool don't, um, and I think that's a tremendous advantage because, I mean, you you see the difference. Like, I mean, if you want to talk about Spurs, right? If you take Kane out of that side, or if Kane's not playing well, Spurs don't win. Same with Con. Uh, Con. So that's that's maybe that's the crappiest kind of um, collective nickname for Son Young Min and Harry Kane, Con. <laughs> um, but you know what I mean. If you take Son out of that, yeah. or he's not fit, then the the team is entirely different. Whereas Liverpool, there's always another person. It seems you can step into the gap, and that's um, got one asset. Yeah, it seemed that way this season. I, m- I remember at the start of the season, my my sort of doubt about this side was didn't really think that they were a side that could control games on the ball if it wasn't for the presence of Thiago and uh, Fab. I thought, I thought if, if if those two are there, um, it doesn't matter what combination you put around them, if those two are there, well, they, could, they can pretty much control a game on the ball against most sides. 100%. 100%. And yeah, um, let's face it, I mean, even though we've been all too, we've been treated to the Thiago highlight reel over the past, it feels like a couple of months at least, but when he's not been there, I think, you know, Kate has done his best to try and dovefold. Henderson doesn't really play that way, so can't really do that role either. Uh, so that was my sort of worry. And actually, thinking about the last Tottenham game as well, a very crude example of it, given who was available. But I, I even think of the Chelsea game as well. There's, there's been games that season where I just thought there's there's just no way a side that has a you know those two in it um, seeds control of a game like that, actually. And the, the only time I've seen it was last night against Villarreal. I thought they were just magnificent yeah, well, for... 
45 yeah. minutes. Yeah. Yeah. What a, what, a, what a strange game. What an excellent game, but yeah, a strange game. Mm. Okay, well, then I, 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 I suppose as, as, as we wrap things up then, Seb, I mean, you, you, you said that you already feel like um, Tottenham are two nil down already. <laughs> I'm guessing you're not necessarily um, holding out um, a lot of hope for um, the weekend's game. Um, so I suppose I, I'll put you on the spot and ask you another horrible prediction in terms of um, do, do, do you think Liverpool are going to win things? <laughs> <laughs> or uh, it's hard to. Um, I, I usually just pick one thing, and, and again, I'm, I'm feeling like a, a spoiled person here. But uh, you I know to get me to predict you for a quadruple. <laughs> I, just, I don't want to do that. That's just like so. It's horrendous, right? I, I, I mean, actually, no, what I was going to ask you about was the league, um, and I think that's. Oh, I see. Yeah. But... Um, yeah. No, I, I, the thing is, is that I, I, I don't, I don't know about the quadruple. I just, I don't see Liverpool losing. The thing is, what, what interests me. Is that I was watching that the game last night, yeah, and um, the Villarreal game, and I remember thinking, I think I, I tweeted this, like Liverpool got absolutely battered for forty-five minutes. They were you bullied did. actually physically, and I remember thinking, yeah, but you know what's going to happen? There'll be a calm, composed dressing room. Klopp will sort it out and because these players have achieved so much together and experienced so much together. The solution will be very, very calm. Think clearly under pressure, right? Um, and then I got to thinking, well, I didn't post this because I just couldn't be bothered with the kind of sensitivity that it would provoke. If Man City had found themselves too down to Villarreal, in Villarreal, that had lost, yeah. that had gone out. Because right. okay. something something happens to Man City in the Champions League. Um, and as, at some point that will change. Um, I just, I, I think I, I mean, I think I trust Liverpool to win. And to navigate the kind of the difficult corners that the season still has left, I don't think that's a measure of ability, quality, who's the biggest team, who's you know all that stuff. I, I don't, I don't care. I, I just think Liverpool are a bit smarter, and I think there's a little bit more. Um, I don't know what it is, but I, I just, I just trust them to get it done. And I don't really have a, a horse in this um, race. I, I, I don't really mind too much who wins, but. Um, yeah, I just it's a. Whereas I, we go and we're recording this obviously about half an hour before Real Madrid, mm. Man City, maybe Man City go and thump Real <laughs> in the five nil in the Bernabeu and prove me wrong, maybe. But it wouldn't surprise you, no, if no. something silly was to happen because they should have won the Champions League last year. Uh, they also should have won the Champions League when, um, well, they should have got to the final. It should have Liverpool should have been playing Man City in the twenty nineteen final, not Tottenham. Um, you know because they never should have lost that game either. Um, and yet, somehow, despite all the money, all the great players, and this manager, there is always something that seems to go wrong. And I don't get that sense with Liverpool, but I do with City. So I, I would say, um, yeah, I'll, um, I, I'm sure um, Liverpool will brush the Spurs aside at the weekend and then go on to, to win the league, I'm sure. Well, let's see. Uh, yeah, it's it's it's. Um... Is that the answer you wanted, Harry? <laughs> I I, 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 it's probably some sort of psychological thing here. But I'm 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 just I'm just trying to convince myself still that this is actually all all still happening. To be honest, I think I think I think it's 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 quite surreal. Um, but that, I suppose yeah, when you when you put people in charge who do a good job and are calm and uh, do things methodically, I suppose yeah. After a long period of time, this is sort of what. Can happen, I guess, but I'm, I'm, st- I'm still, still sort of slightly um, in awe of it, to be honest. Um, uh, but I, I, I do very much agree with you around the the one thing about this team that does doesn't really surprise me much anymore is that they 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 figure it out. You know, that you, you can pose them six different kind of problems, uh, and and they that 
ninety percent of the time they'll figure it out, um, and they'll get themselves back into something. Even if they can't win it, they'll get themselves back into it, which is, um, yeah, a very um. Well, very... it's it's interesting, isn't it? Because that Villarreal game. So this is there was a very stark comparison between a team that were comfortable where they were in that situation, and a team who weren't. Because um, on the one hand, you had a Villarreal home crowd behind them, two goals. One of the best halves they've played this season. They were fantastic. fantastic yeah. But then, when it comes to actually winning the game, you have the goalkeeper that melts down. And I really like Geronimo, really. I think he's a super goalkeeper. But he is prone to bad moments. Um, goalkeeper who uh, loses the plot a little bit, lets in some very soft goals and kind of disintegrates emotionally throughout the evening. Hmm. Um, the midfield linchpin who, yeah, the game was over by this point, but gets himself sent off. It's the difference between... Um, knowing how to win right and the solutions you're talking about and the problems and you know the, the thing is is that when Fabinho scored his goal like a, a reasoned rational response to that from a season's team would have been well we're we'll just going to get another one there's no away goals and for Villarreal it was like the sky had fallen in and it was mm. over it was over the minute that went in and everyone knew it everyone knew it, including all the Villarreal players um, and that's a kind of um, it's interesting to see how it's interesting to see Liverpool grow into that space because I think it's the kind of it's the rarest area you can find in, in football. Real Madrid have it too. Like when Real Madrid were getting smashed by Chelsea on their own pitch, um, it was fine because you know someone would look at Modric came up with probably the yeah. past of the decade, you know, and, <laughs> and just some teams have it, man. Because like you put like someone like Modric has won, you know. Um, I mean, he'd probably run out of space in his house for European Cups. You know, they very much had it. Actually, they very they, they they very much have it. And actually, that's part yeah, that's partially why if if I was to pick an opponent, I I, I would pick I, I I would pick Madrid for a couple of reasons for the Champions League final. But um, I'm I'm very aware that they have a manager and a bunch of players who have that quality, <laughs> which is yeah. which is very difficult to deal with no matter how good you are if if they also know exactly how to win and i think they, they, they've been doing it for for longer let's face it so it's just yeah. they just they just know they're just comfortable in that space right yeah. they're just comfortable mm. when um the whole world is watching in fact they love it mm. and um, it must be terrifying um, to face that actually <laughs> it must be terrifying. because it's like it's like it's like um it's like a, a waking nightmare isn't it because you just know there's a that that, that i mean the game will start in a minute, and, and maybe this will be look silly in hindsight. Yeah, but when I was watching the first leg of City uh, Rail, and City could probably have been four up in half an hour, mm. but you just knew that somewhere Benzema would do something, and that would change everything. And it's just, it's just, it's a like, it's like a boxer who can get punched in the face for eleven and a half rounds, but then knock somebody out in the twelfth. Like yeah. it's, it's, it's a strange quality. It's very rare. Um, but goodness me, it's valuable, isn't it? And um, Liverpool have that. Um, as you say, maybe not quite as much as Real Madrid do, <laughs> um, but uh, Liverpool yeah. have plenty of it. Yeah, there's some sort of like, you know, they've been moulded by it, you know, <laughs> over yeah, exactly. over many years. But um, no, it's, yeah. It's, it's, like, uh, it's like the Bane quote about exactly, like, uh, you yeah. know, being raised. Adopted, the yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you merely adopted the nouse. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Madrid of, yeah, I mean, Luka Modric, god dear lord, yeah, um, the, the, those guys in that midfield is just never, never ceases to amaze me. Um, but Outrageous. anyway, I think, yeah, we, we probably, we probably ended up on a, it, I'm sure this is, it, it's a tangent that's going to be interesting to, um, to all the listeners anyway. But, um, as always, Seth, thank you for coming on, um, and sort of giving us your, your viewers, 
sort of Spurs this season, which has been a sort of a complicated and um, you know not without its turbulence um, this season, and it's very difficult to sort of correctly predict, I, I suppose, or sort of confidently predict where they'll be um, in six months. But I'm hoping for sort of more more stable times, to be honest. But um, as as always, thank you very much for for all your insights, sir. No, my pleasure. Thanks for having me back, Harry. And um, yeah, to all the to listeners, um, th- these pods keep coming, and um, yeah, they keep being relevant as as the games uh, are all very important at this stage, obviously. So there'll there'll be another rival recon uh, for a game that I didn't know existed, uh, to be honest, which is uh, the the Aston Villa game on the tenth of May. Uh, so there, there will definitely be a podcast that comes out before that one, and of course, yeah, with these with these um, with these cup finals coming up as well, there'll be there'll be plenty of pods with coverage around those games as well so do do uh sort of be sure to check out those on until the next pro as well but uh, until then yeah i'll see you again ahead of the, the aston villa game on uh, on the 10th of may we hope you enjoyed listening to this anfield index show please be sure to subscribe to our channel so future podcasts find their way to your device automatically there's nothing quite like fan engagement and we'd love to know what you think of anything discussed on this show the best way to get in touch is over on our free discord community where both podcasters and listeners debate the hottest LFC topics 24-7. Sign up free now at anfieldindex.com forward slash discord. You won't regret it. You can also follow us on Twitter at Anfield Index and find us on Facebook by searching for Anfield Index. Oh, and before you go, we'd love it if you could leave us a five-star review on your favourite podcast app. It only takes a couple of seconds. And it means the world to the people who create these free shows. Sports Social Podcast Network.